Hi, Magic is Real listeners. I'm Shannon. I'm your host. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about near-death experiences and all things metaphysical and spiritual. One thing I always forget to ask because I'm terrible at self-promotion is if you like the podcast and you would like to support it for free, please subscribe, hit the like button, comment below. It really helps the algorithm and it helps get the word out about the podcast. So thank you in advance. Today, I'm, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm excited. We've had some scheduling issues, but I had the pleasure of interviewing Ainsley Sewell Threadgold. Great interview if you haven't checked it out. Um, and today he's on with his beautiful soulmate. This is Krista Gorman. And both of these beautiful people are near-death experiencers, but their love story is, is an otherworldly spiritual love story. So they're here to share their sort of their individual stories and also how they came together and found each other in this 3D world. Welcome, Ainsley and Krista. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much for inviting us. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, so I'll just begin by, I know this is sort of, this is, uh, I've, I've interviewed Ainsley and I'm sure you've done this before, so you can kind of choose where you want to start, but I'd love to know a little bit about your back. You can kind of give a little bit about both of your backgrounds and uh, as it pertains to your love story in any way you really want to tell it. And I'll just ask questions as we go. Okay. I'll, Do you want to I'll start, start with you and start with yeah. you yeah, because so, yeah, we haven't heard yours. And so I think that's a good place to start. Okay. Yeah. Well, for me, um, my, my near death experience, I call it, I like to refer to it as my death experience because I, I died. Die? I ha didn't have a heartbeat for eight minutes. Well, they're yeah. not a respectable one. I wasn't on a cardiac monitor. Um, so there's no like documentation of that, but what they do is they like palpate for a pulse and I lost my pulse for um, eight minutes. So my story was that I graduated from my physician assistant training um, in July of 2000 or June of 2000. And I was due to, to give birth to my daughter three weeks later. And during the induction, I had, um, I had to have an emergency C-section because things were not progressing and she was in distress. And just, just before they were going to perform the cesarean, <clears throat> excuse me, I had what's called an amniotic, what they believe is an amniotic fluid embolism, where I couldn't, I just started having trouble breathing and uh, very quickly my heart stopped. And the last thing I recall was rolling from my room across the hallway on labor and delivery into the operating room. And my vision just sort of like, just kind of closed. Let's like closing your eyes, but it's like, kind of like this. And as that was happening, I was trying to get air into my lungs. And what was happening was little micro uh, clots were clotting off the vascular chair in my lungs. And um, I wasn't able to perfuse air. And um, so it's like trying to suck air through a little tiny straw, what it felt like at the very end. And just as I was <gasps> trying to bring air in and everything was closing, I felt this peace just come from behind me and above me, just kind of like over, just this real like complete peace. And my vision went away. And then the next point of my awareness was of being high above my body and I could see the body down there and I could see people around it. Um, but I didn't have any kind of earthly identify identifiers. I didn't remember being human. Um, but I was, I was pure consciousness. And I watched as these little black particles came racing up from my body to where my vision was. And I was sort of like this undulating loose static cloud. And I was very neutral. And just sort of looking around and like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And I looked down and I saw what I later learned was my daughter being born. And I started to get curious and I kind of shifted around to the other part, other side of the room, other side of the body. And I felt this this tug to my left and I and I was becoming more and more curious. 
And I, I felt, no, I want to stay. And it tugged harder. So I said, okay, I'll go. And then I was pulled out of there. And I was, I went through the wall into this bright white flash of space. And that was just sort of instantaneous. And then I went through another sort of um, threshold and into the same dense particles that I was, only just much denser, uh, much more numerous. And I was speeding imperceptibly fast and moving along. And I recall looking to my left and and I could see where the the sort of like quote unquote wall next to me became a little bit liquidy at points and then became the dense particles again. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I got this download and it was sort of like a funnel of information. And it was every question I'd ever had, any, any question, every question. And it all funneled and boiled down to one answer and it was love. And that again happened instantaneously. And then I, it's like love and I'm like, <gasps> and I was just bliss, blissed out, blissful love. I felt the love and it was everything and nothing else like existed except that. And then I looked over to my right and there was this little white light like far off in the distance and energetically, like I felt it called it, like it wanted me to come towards it and I wanted to go to it. So I started moving in that direction. And as I got closer, it became wider and bigger. And then I saw within it, like just beyond it, there were these shadow beings and there was a little boy in the front and there were adults sort of behind it. And I could tell like, it, it was like indistinct, but he had like a wide brim hat and overalls on. He was probably like about seven years old and he needed my help. So I, I wanted to help him. So all of this is like, all of this is um, the feeling of things. There was no thinking mind. There was no thoughts. Um, and so everything was by feeling. Um, so I moved into that space and I, and I felt like, like, okay, where is the little boy? I looked around there was, he wasn't there. Now it was just the adults that were sort of fanned out. And I felt that they all wanted my help. And I felt back, I want to help you. So then they started to come at me, like dart at me one by one from different directions. And what I noticed was that I was starting to like diminish basically. Like things started to become less distinct out here. And I was literally like fading away. And I felt like, no, I, I, I don't want to, I don't like, I, I don't want to be here. If, like if that's going to happen, I don't want to be here. And I was pulled out of there. As soon as I felt that I was taken away, I was back into the dense dark particles. And then I was there for a short, briefer, like there's no time, but this, this, the, the um, space that I traveled was shorter. And then I went through another opening that was less distinct than the first one. And it was still like dark, but there was sort of circular. And I merged through that into this gorgeous landscape. And it was these beautiful yellow flowers and green rolling hills in the distance and a rock covered waterfall, like mossy moss on the rocks. And then over to my right was this evergreen forest. And and I just like, right when I moved through that opening there, I merged with all of it. And I was the flowers and the waterfall and the rocks and the trees and everything. And it was just, again, bliss. And I could have existed there eternally. It was completely perfect. And then I was flanked on both sides by very, um, very tall beige entities that had sort of like drapes, like, um, like kind of like this material, but beige. And they were just sort of draped and they didn't have faces per se, but they had like the hint of a face and they, everything was through feeling. So they felt to me, you can stay here. You can go to what comes next, what's beyond here, or you can go back. And I didn't have any sense of, of what came next necessarily or what, or of being human. I still didn't have any memory of, of being Krista in the physical body, but I was still Krista in my consciousness. And I 
sort of contemplated it very, very briefly. And I felt back, I'd like to go back. So I started moving backwards right away, just as fast as I had moved previously. And they, they turned, so the, the opening's getting smaller and smaller as I'm moving. And they turned and they felt to me, well, if you go back, you need to share what you learned here. And I felt back to them, okay. And then the next thing I remember was having pain in my chest. Um, <clears throat> and ultimately, 36 hours after, after um, my heart stopped, I woke up in the ICU. Um, what had happened was I'd had an amniotic fluid embolism, they believe. And then I went into disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is when your body loses its ability to clot your blood. And that's off, that often happens after an amniotic fluid embolism. That's kind of almost how they make the diagnosis. Um, so I had to require to trans, several transfusions in the ICU. I was intubated, sedated in, in, in a medically induced coma to keep me calm because I had been fighting the tube. I had been fighting like, you know, I guess, you know, um, threatening for the IV to be taken out, you know, pulling it out or whatever. But, um, but I woke up there and then, you know, I had a, I didn't remember being pregnant. I didn't remember any of it. Um, I didn't re yet, re yet have the memory of my near-death experience, but I had all of the, <laughs> the sort of side effects of it. I was completely blissed out. Like everything was perfect. Nothing, nothing was wrong. Nothing was, was, you know, um, was bad. Nothing was good. Everything was like, it was just felt nice. Everything just felt really nice. And um, so I, I gradually came around very, very, very slowly, about six days um, it took. And then I met my daughter for the first time. And at which her. point you remembered you had a baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I felt like I'd already known her, you know, like we had already, like we just had known, I, like I had known her forever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought I should do all those things that, that new mothers do, which is count the toes and the fingers. So I, I like took her blanket off and I'm like looking around to see if anybody notices that, see what I'm doing? I'm doing what you're supposed to do. You know, like I'm okay <laughs> mm -hmm. because I was, I was, I was not the old Krista. I was a very different Krista when I came back. And, I've um, heard. Thank you for that. That's yours mm -hmm. is, is especially beautiful. The way you told it, the way you experienced it. And mm -hmm. you're, I think in the last couple of people I interviewed said the same thing about having no awareness of their human self. Yeah. Like just complete dissociation from the human, which to us sounds so scary, but it isn't. It's it's scary because we're so attached to the stuff that's here. Yes. And well, you realize right? when mm -hmm. we when we are so attached to things and it's it's funny what we've become attached to and we can we it's almost like we've become attached to the wrong things. Um oh, yeah. you know and then that's perhaps where the addictive personalities come out and, and where we have the earthly issues of the 3D realm, which is um, you know, we spend a lot of time stressing and worrying over the small stuff and then when we're free of that um we let all of that go and it's mm -hmm. almost like that everything is it's like um clothes you take the clothes off and then you take the skin suits off and then you are who you truly are and then it's like oh i'm quite a lot more magnificent than than what i thought it was and mm -hmm. this is i'm everything everything just becomes so small and insignificant it's like I know. I love that idea. And I know uh, people, I know that's not something that you'd recommend to other people, but as long as you had to go through that kind of thing, I, I, I know that there's so much to be gained, but, and before we go into the story of you too, cause I'm really, I'm really excited to hear it. I also um, wanted to ask you on that note, that was a really good point you both made after a near death experience. Can you maintain that feeling? Or how do you, when you get into the daily grind, 
<laughs> are you able to summon that feeling at will? Or are you still like, no, I, I, I remember it, but I'm still feeling stressed right now. I think it's more yeah, the latter because it's, I, and I think I said that, right? The latter being the yeah. last thing you said. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always have to check that too with myself. I know, I'm like, <laughs> not the form yeah, of the latter. It's, it's interesting because for me, my, for it was my experience in recovering where it felt like layers of an onion were being peeled. Like I was mm-hmm. slowly starting to become the old Krista. And it would be like after, literally after waking in the morning, um, every week or two weeks, I would realize I'm like, I'm more of me as back. Yeah. And I'm, I'm have a, I'm, I feel heavier than I did before. And yeah, it's like it, my NDE in times of, challenge it's the it's the thing that can help me bring bring me back in a second like if i just have a sense of it then i'm like back and then you know then i lose it again and i'm like no i'm back Mm -hmm. and then so it's like it's a lot of that but it took it took for me it took 10 years to really start to process my nde because this world there's such a pull for us, you know, energetically to be in, in our lives and focused on this and focused on that. And that's important. And you need to do this. And the demands on us every day are incredible. Mm -hmm. We don't have that space around us often where we can just like, just be yeah, and and not be concerned about anything except the rocks in front of you you know, <laughs> or the tree in front of you. And sometimes it's harder and then other times it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's harder to, uh, for me when, um, you know, when I rediscovered the the memories from the hypnotherapy, like I spoke about last time, you know, coming back from uh, being uh, under hypnosis and back in the experience, you know, it, it's like I was remembering it, but I was living it for the first time. And then, having, like Krista said, um, being more of herself again afterwards. I had that instantly. So when I was brought round from the hypnotherapy, um, there was the buzz of, "Wow, I have had something happen," and it does explain the hole in my memory that I had for you know the twenty odd years and why I'd always felt a little bit different and everything. And that's like, great. But then I was surrounded by the fact that um, I was back being me. And that was the person that I d- didn't really want to be at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it was that point in my life where it was just everything needed to change and it was starting to change. But I was still that guy that um, was ashamed of looking at himself in the mirror and, and things like that. So that was a very hard um, pill to swallow. But you have got a light at the end of the tunnel and you do have um, something that you can focus on. And, you know, like Krista said, the sometimes been drawn back to something that just reminds you. I mean, it might not be a, a direct reminder of the experience. It might just be um, something else that helps you to be as connected as you can be. Right. You know, like people who have spiritual experiences in church or people who have spiritual experiences watching the sunrise or anyone, anytime that they, they connect with something greater than themselves. That's that's it. So, um, you know, when people look at us with envious eyes and go, God, you know, you've had this experience and how much more wonderful life must be because you've had it. It's like, yeah, but I had to get run over and completely mangled and Krista had to have a amniotic fluid embolism and bleed out. Yeah. And other people had to be in car accidents and fall down cliff faces. And, you know, we, we had to be broken to be remade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to be like the, the what the Japanese used to do with dishes and um, mend them with gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Like um, you um, my friend Renu that was on the on the podcast. She's uh, just one of my favorite people, Renu Aurora, and she is someone that lost. She's in a wheelchair and she lost. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, and but the thing is, she always says it's still the best thing for how it changed her, and that like she doesn't regret it, and she is like it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. for changing for changing my life and and helping me see things from a different perspective and i love that and that she helps is, other people yeah. the thing that helps other people is the fact that she can see things from another perspective and right. it helps you to, it grounds you in the sense of well what have i really got to be worried about this there's this person who 
you know, if I was in that position, I don't know why, I don't know how I'd do it. I don't know what I'd do, I would do if I lost the ability to move the way I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person, look at how graceful they are with it and how, you know, well they handle it. And it's like, what have they got that I don't have? Mm-hmm. Just a slightly different or mirrors, perception. right? Yeah. We're just, we're just mirrors for each other. So that, that your friend, you, me, you, you know, when we're sharing of ourselves, we're mirroring the other person we're sharing with or the other people we're sharing with. So then those people, they see their reflection in us. So they see the possibilities for themselves and maybe that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. I was actually thinking to say that, that even after interviewing people like you, it helps me to remember what really matters, what's really going on here. And sometimes I'll just look around me in the life and go, nope, in life and go, nope, it's okay. Don't take it. It's just a simulation. Just don't sweat it too much. Obviously easy to say when it's not some major catastrophe, but you'll have a little bit of stress about something and then just say, hey, remember, remember Krista's story, remember Ainsley's story. And it really, that's what I'm hoping to do with this podcast. So thank yeah. you for sharing your both of your stories. Now, I'd love to hear your love story wherever, I'm sure you've told it, How tell it however you want to tell it. Yeah, so um, at the point where I'd been drawn to the hypnotherapy, uh, for those people who watched the um, your podcast with my story, obviously, um, I had been given a book by uh, Dr. Penny Satori, um, and it was after I had the sciatica, which had caused me to have similar problems with my leg that I had years and years earlier. Um, and the osteopath that gave me the book obviously gave me the book for a reason and um the book had the um it was obviously about near-death experiences dr penny satori um had done a study a 20-year study on near-death experiences after having um been a um, a nurse in a night uh, in a high dependency unit in the uk and having direct experiences with people who were had come back after having heart attacks saying i think i've been somewhere so she was she was given funding and she'd done this 20-year um, what it became to be twenty year study, and it culminated in this book. And there was lots of um, accounts from people who had had similar experiences. So I was reading this book, and it's like, oh, that sounds like me. And I've had, you know, I feel like that. And I disturb radio waves, and I can't wear watches. And you know, the thing for me was that I just didn't have the memory as to why. Mm. So um, I had contacted the website that had been associated with the book Near Death. Near-Death Experiences UK. So I, in the meantime, whilst waiting for them to get back to me to see whether anyone else had had um, similar experience of not having memory after uh, having an experience, I looked into hypnotherapy, which was where I was able to draw on the experience finally. After I'd had the hypnotherapy and after I'd had at least part of the experience given back to me, uh, they got back in touch and I was able to share with them the experience and they put me in contact with a lady called uh, Kelly, Kelly Michelle Walsh, who became a good friend of mine. Um, She lived close to me in the UK uh, in the city of Manchester and they at the time had wanted to set up um, a near-death experience group in the north of the UK because it was all London based. So that's why we got in contact with each other and um, not long after we uh, met and became friends. Uh, she was talking about Facebook and the near death experience groups on there and how helpful they'd been to her because she'd had a near death experience. Um, and I tried away from Facebook. I'd come off it a couple of years earlier on and I wasn't going to go back on. And she said, "Oh no, no, it's it's a really good, it's a really good, healthy group of people, and you'd really like it." So you know, went back on, and um, we then set up a group called the Positivity Power Movement, and. Um, one of the things to help set up the group was that she was going to invite her friends onto the group and any people that I had that I knew I was going to invite. Um, Well, I didn't know that Kelly uh, knew Krista. And the reason why she knew Krista was because of Dr. Penny Satori, the person who wrote the book. So um, after the book had been released, Kelly had reached out to... um, Dr. Penny, and in an email, and it was one of 
14 odd thousand emails that uh, Penny wasn't going to get to because she was very busy, but saw Kelly's email and read it at Kelly's email. And then at the same time, or around about the same time, Krista had also written to Penny um, because she was interested in the publishing side in, in the UK because you were writing your book at the time, weren't you? Mm -hmm. And uh, Penny had the inspiration to introduce Kelly and Krista to each other. I'm very busy at the moment, but I think you two would like, you know, would like to meet. So they became friends that way. Um, so once the group was set up, uh, one of the things that Kelly um, had decided to do was uh, to get people to make videos of who they were and, you know, what they believed in and what they what they wanted from the group. And it was supposed to be, it was a reflection of her experience and she'd been given this message that like-minded souls would come together and change the world. So it was, you know, all about that and everyone on the group had uh, not had all the same experiences, but certainly had come to the point where they were um, more spiritually aware. Um, and, you know, we all did videos and everyone was, you know, getting lots of likes and loves. And I'd done what I felt was a, an important video to me. I'd, I'd seen something very impactful and I'd done my two minute video and I was very proud of it. And I was also very precious about it. I put it out there and I was just like, I hope, I hope it's well received and no likes, no loves, no comments, no nothing. Didn't even, it didn't even look like it had been viewed. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so anyway, in the meantime, I didn't realize that it had been viewed and a certain somebody who is now sat to my left mm. had seen it and it had a, an impact on you, didn't it? Yes. I love, I love you so much. He, he's, he tells the story the same way every time. It's and so cute. It. He's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with so cute yes that is how that's how I became aware of Ainsley really in the beginning because um I had been invited by Kelly to be a part of the Facebook group and and then I had done a video and he had seen mine and we had kind of like similar experiences with one another where my me watching him his voice there was something in his voice that just resonated yeah. with me and 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 I, I walked away from my computer. Like, I, I think I watched the video probably like 15 times, just this short little video of him speaking. And and I, I walked away from like, what the hell am, is going on with me? Like, yeah. I mean, it's um, cute, but 15 times is a lot of times. No, it's a little, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, like, cause I'm like, yeah. you know, like I got my own thing going on. And yeah, yeah. And I'm good, you know, like I'm not looking for anything. Right. And, but he, it was just so compelling and, and, and he was talking about love and here's this like big, like strong guy, British talking about loving each other and come on, you guys, let's, I know. let's do it. Let's just, now's the time. And so, yeah, that was really impactful, um, really impactful for me. Yeah. And it was at a point in our lives where there was a transition happening and we just, we yeah. hadn't caught up with the fact. So you know, you were still in your old marriage and mm -hmm. I was still in my old marriage and, um, you know, ex expecting our, uh, my daughter was going to be, um, she'd, yeah, she'd just born. been born. She'd mm -hmm. just been born. So she, she was less than a month old. And, you know, it's all, all of the, all of the things living in two different countries, living in Florida and living in the UK, it's all the things that you would say there's no way yeah. that these people are ever going to form anything or do anything with it. It's just, you know, passing infatuation or, or something like that but there was just something about her and you know as she said there's just something about me that compelled us enough to mm -hmm. be interested enough to start to um build some sort of a dialogue and you know mm -hmm. again it wasn't a an instant uh, oh yeah let's let's do this thing and let's let's move in together and you know there was there was none of that it was a case of that's impossible but there's just something about this person we don't know what it is yeah and the longer that we, um, you know, encircled each other, the at first, the weirder it got. And I drew away um, not long after. It was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I'm just trying to understand the experience I've just had. And I'm just trying to come away from, you know, this very closed off person that couldn't look at himself in the mirror. And I'm trying to learn who I am and trying to, um, you know, become a little bit more emotionally sure as a, as a man. Um, you know, and how can I, how can I do that? And, um, and then have all of this other stuff going on. Um, and, you know, I, I, I did it in such a, 
and now I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't dream about doing it. I just cut everything off. We've got off Facebook, we've got off Messenger, and I just stopped, stopped everything. Oh, yeah. I remember you and, told me this. Yeah, I, so that yeah. was the, the only way that I could possibly just, uh, I, it's my fault. I'm going to, I'm going to cause some pain. I'm just going to stop it and, you know, push it away. Yeah. But then not that long after, um, I had a, an email and it was through a group, another group that uh, someone else had run off Facebook that I'd forgotten I'd even joined. No, it was online with David Sunfellow. Yeah. Um, so I, again, it was like I joined that yeah. um, at about the same time as joining Facebook and I'd forgotten about that because it didn't really, it, it didn't really resonate with me, but I, my profile was still on there and then I had this message and it was from Krista and it was just the most loving message. And the thing that really resonated with me um, was that she just, she didn't know what was going on, but she just was there. I'm just here for you. And I know your soul. Mm. You know, we, we'd only just really started to correspond with each other. And when you have something that impactful said to you, um, you have to, you have to pick up and listen. And, you know, I, I picked up and listened. Mm. Um, well, it was the it was the um, it was the showing of love, and that, that was really hard personally for me to do. But I was like, it's hard for me to receive. Yeah, it's just one of the it's one of those things where you know when when two people are are in a sort of like a friendship, um, something else. Not sure what that is, but and live you know fifteen or forty five hundred miles away from each other. It's like. It's like, you know what, I'm just, you're, you're like, I know your soul, you're, you're golden. And, and that's, that's who you are. Like whatever it is you're going through right now that you're torturing yourself with, that, that's not who you are. I know what you are and who you are. And so I'm, I'm, and I'm here. I'll, I'll reflect that back to you. That's how, that's the energy I was in when I reached out and it's like, I just hope you're okay. You know, I just like. Let me know if you're okay and I'm here for you. But you kept doing that and it permeated, didn't it? Well, I, I think the consistency, like when 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 a couple, you know, um is just starting to get to know one another and they're like sort of like navigating the the ups and downs and like the oh should I or shouldn't I and what are they doing right now or not doing right now or whatever. You know, it can it can you can get really all up in your head and be crazy over it. Or you can just sort of like get down and into your heart and just stay right there and just be like, here I am. And, and this is where I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be here like every time and it's okay. And energetically, you know, um, magnetically, we pick up on that when, right. we're, when we're connected, we're able to pick up on that over any distance. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So in UK, Ainsley was feeling that from me, and it's entanglement, isn't it? It's entanglement, and and ultimately, you know, we ended up navigating back to one another and making the choice to move forward in whatever this is. Like, there's something here, and it's really freaking powerful. We don't know what it is, but we're gonna trust it, and we're gonna trust each other, and we're just gonna start taking one step in front of the other one step in front of the other and that led us back to one another and and then it was like it started to move forward pretty quickly and we had we had like some really cool things happen during the course of our sort of like courtship yeah it, it took us nine months we knew each other for nine months before we were ever in like the same room together and we spent a lot of time video chatting like really getting to know each other and, and just like just it's kind of exploring who we are together and um, and going through our lives as well. You know, we separated, both separated from our spouses and at separate times and not even when we were like necessarily in contact. And so, but we helped one another through the, those times as well. And, um, and yeah, we've had like, regressions i had i had a regression right in, in during a video chat like a past life regression happened in my like in my mind's eye 
I could see myself as like a 16 year old somewhere, I, I wanna say it was Scotland. And I had like really long red hair and I was sweeping the yard, the dirt yard. And I looked up and he was coming over a hill with two men on either side of him. He, but he wasn't Ainsley, yeah. he was a warrior. And he was coming back to to the like the clan, coming back home. And I just felt this deep like love and gratitude, like, oh my God, he's alive. <laughs> and he's home. And and then we were together in that life. And then Ainsley had a separate sort of past life memory where he was a king and I was his wife. And it was like, you know, year maybe the same same kind of lifetime, but years later, because he he was in my experience, my past life memory, he was like the protector. He was he was like our 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 king, yeah, you know, in our clan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done a past life regression together? Like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I've had regressions and I've had a lot of lives as a warrior or a soldier. Um, and you still are in a, in a sense, mm -hmm. because you're a, an, a police officer, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, at the, currently in between, but yes. And yes. Yes. I am, so. But yeah, it's, it feels yeah. like you, you're still out to defend the people. You're still putting yeah, yourself. The protector. The protect my, yeah. That's my soul's mission, and I think mm -hmm. I've been in, in lots of lives, and most of the lives that I've had, certainly the ones that I've been, um, I've had regressed. I've yeah. always been a warrior. I've always had a protective um, element to me. It's never been. I've never been a, um, a pillager or a plunderer. It's always been um, doing the war thing has has been the last thing I wanted. It was always mm -hmm. about you know this. This has got to lead to peace. Yeah. Right. The yeah. Same thing for, for me now. If there's a peaceful a, warrior. Yeah, and it's the same thing for me now. If I deal with people, it's always about trying to get a, a peaceful resolution. Um, Which is a, so important. I wish that there was. We could. I mean, it's not always easy. To sometimes you just don't have that kind of time in a crisis. But I think it's a beautiful thing that you're serving in the way that you are. And mm -hmm. I think a lot. I, I think there are a lot of police officers that want to do that, but it's. The stress, the the everything's fast moving. The the short staff, short staffedness of it all um, can also prevent them from that mission. But wouldn't it be great if we could get to that place where it's, hey, why are you like this? Like, what's leading to this? I mean, if we really had the the time and the energy to sort of devote to compassion with people that are doing things they shouldn't be doing, but why? You know, like. What kind of pain are they in and what resources do we have? It's just we don't I know we don't have necessarily the time to do that and the staff and the staffing to do that, but it's beautiful that that you are able to put that part of yourself to use in that way. In the it's in the back of the car when they're on the way to um, receiving desk or custody and you can and yeah. it's, that, it's that moment where I'm not talking about the offense, not talking about yeah. why why they are there in the sen in the three D sense. Yeah. But I'm talking to them. Yeah realizing that what's put them there is is life and i have no i have no understanding of that other than mm -hmm. the fact that, um you know they've lived something and that's why they're doing what they're doing and yeah it's about five ten minutes um of me being completely calm and just talking to them as they listen um even if it's just that they say oh do you know what you're, you're okay you are yeah something mm -hmm. something resonates there's a connection there and I'd much rather, much prefer to have that connection. Might never see them again, mm -hmm. um, but I have to hope that what I've done for them is just to maybe give them a pause of thought. Um, yeah, something to think about. Yeah, yeah, and then policing in the UK, dealing with um, you know people who are uh, sometimes actively trying to commit suicide, and having the ability sometimes to step in and give them that next breath, give them that next day, mm -hmm. uh, and give them you know maybe the maybe be a um, Using my role to get them the help that they may wanted may have wanted for years, and just advocating for them a little bit and being a little bit more of a consistent voice um, and getting them there. That's that's me. It's been me in other lives, and it's me now. Um, yeah. And the one, you know, the one person especially that really reflects that is Krista, because when I don't feel like that, I I 
see myself in her and she says she sees herself in me and we both have those moments where just had enough what are we doing this for and then we look at each other and it just makes perfect sense because we see who we truly are in each other yeah <laughs> that's that's a good that's actually a good topic is listen relationships are not easy i mean intimate relationships are not easy when you're sharing a life with another person because there there are always going to be compromises you have to make each person has their own lifestyle preferences or habits and it's a constant negotiation of how can we how can we negotiate this together how can we compromise and i would love to know from your perspective both being near death experiencers and having this perspective and also understanding that you are in each other's soul family and always have been and you've chosen these roles to have together how would you say that that affects your you're just your relationship in general your ability to communicate with each other negotiate through difficult times um i know you're only human but but how just in general how does that affect the way that you relate with each other well for me it's it's just all about love. Yeah. And, and that it's very easy to, um, to go from an ego centered thought or act or state of being to one of love when your partner is, is of the same sort of love vibration. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, Finding each other in this in this life, we know how fortunate we are, and um, we've both done the the sort of what we refer to as inner. So many of us inner work to not slay the ego, but to diminish it to the point where it protects us. You know, um, it's there as contrast, um, but it's not our main focus when it's when it's us and it's a case of um for me i know that if there's something going on and krista picks up on it um you know if i immediately have an egotistic response within myself you know you get that horrible knot that you get in your it, sort of between your stomach and your heart i become very interested in it now so it's like huh why mm. am i having that response and rather than looking at Krista as the reason why I've had that response because she's picked up on something maybe I've you know not tidied up or you know she's she's asking me something that you know I'm having an egotistic reaction to <laughs> like why am I having the reaction and I'm actually very grateful for her to bring that up because it's something that I can then recognize within myself and then let go of and then I you know I breathe and I'm like you know I really I really actually appreciate that she loves me so much that she can help me to, um, again, she just reflects me to me. And the reason why I have a reaction is because you see yourself in that person. And in a relationship where you're not quite so aware, that's where the ego does turn into an argument. That's where there is this push and the pull. Um, the book, The, uh, the Celestine Prophecies, mm -hmm. uh, it's a great book. If you haven't read it, read it. Um, one of the... Um, biggest things that I took from that, and it just seems like such a simple thing, is the Vesca Pisces. So the Vesca Pisces is two circles that have joined in the middle, and then you have the part that they've joined in, which is the is like the super part. So if you're two whole people, so you're two whole circles, you don't need anything from someone else. You're not two half circles trying to make a whole. You're two whole people within yourself. When you join together, you're still two whole people, but the point that where they meet becomes the super whole so that's where the superhuman element comes in that's where the conjoining of the souls happens but you're still two whole people i don't need krista to make me happy krista helps me to be happy because she reflects my true self to me oh that's beautiful the, yeah. the same way around so we help each other um you know and looking at the real times of where the ego and, and fear has kicked in. I'm, I'm sure I shared this last time, um, but again, it's it's meaningful to me to for me to share now. Uh, when I had the um, after just after we got married, 
and was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, and that's that moment where it's like, you know, because we got married, we'd already made the decision that I was to come over here. So we were going to start the um, process, going to um, do the immigration process. And that had kicked in. Krista had done all the paperwork and worked really hard on making sure that that was all sent off. Um, and then had this diagnosis and it's like, oh, well, maybe that's the thing that stops it then. Great. You know, my life's, life's done. Maybe this is the reason um, why they then turn around and say, oh, no, you're sick. You're not coming to the, not coming to the US. And all of these things just detailed. Um, but there was this constant, there was this reflection in Krista. And she had an awareness that I didn't have, which is that it's all as well. And... You know, she kept just reflecting me back to me. Um, and in the first instance, uh, it was a case of, right, I need to know when your operation is because as soon as you have your operation, then I'm coming over. And when I knew my operation date, um, you actually had already had time off book, didn't you? Because you were going to go and see a friend. Mm -hmm. So the exact week that I was having my operation, she'd already had that week booked off from work. And, you know, she cancelled with a friend and flew over and we spent a lovely week together and we went to um, Glastonbury, and, which is one of our favourite places in the UK. And we went to um, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, which is, you know, another uh, energetically fabulous place to go. Um, you know, and she was there with me and she was there with me just after. Um, and then not that long after that, when I'd recovered enough, uh, I had to go for a CT scan. And the um, biopsy of the cancer had to be done and then that with the ct scan is made into a report and then you go back in and see the specialist and they tell you what's going on so i had expected them to tell me that it was testicular cancer and that i was going to do some sort of chemo and that everything should be okay because as a man if you're going to get um, any sort of cancer that's the one that you want to get because it's the most curable so then when you're told that it's not testicular cancer and it's actually something a lot, lot worse, um, you know, you're in a room with a specialist that won't look at you and all they'll say is that uh, we're absolute, we're almost positive you've got lymphoma. Don't ask us any questions because it's not our specialty. Uh, we're very rarely wrong and there you go. So you have this information dumped on you um, and what do you do with it? So um, I did the silly thing. I looked on Mr. Google and Mr. Google um, lots of, lots of, <laughs> lots of it, basically the the research that had been done surrounding lymphoma in someone of my age at the time with a primary presentation of testicular cancer was uh basically a death sentence because yeah. i would have to have already had an end-stage autoimmune disease to have for, for that to have been caused and that was it i couldn't find anything else and that was the only research that was done um, the only other research was people who were twice my age, and then it was for a different reason. Um, so again, ego and fear kicks in. What do I do now? And then there was there was the self blame of God, whatever. I've got something that I didn't know I had, and have I given it to Krista? And how does that affect her? And how does it affect my daughter? And how does it affect Maggie? My, you know, stepdaughter. And how does it affect everyone? And, yeah. and there's me in the middle of it, and I'm now the cause of all of these catastrophes. So, you know, I, I text Krista and said, I think I've done something a little bit stupid. And I, mm -hmm. you know, looked on to Google and I found these things out. Um, my Krista at the time was working in the ER in um, Venice Regional. And normally what would happen is I would text and I would maybe get a response four or five hours later when she had a, a second. She's always very busy. But within about 40 minutes, she'd called me. Um, and again, even just over the phone, she reflected my true self to me and turned around and said, look, basically she didn't believe the diagnosis anyway. She'd done her own research and she'd read the same things as I did and she said, that's not you. And mm -hmm. regardless of that, it doesn't matter. You are loved. Oh. So there's me desperately thinking, God, what if I've caused this you know, catastrophe? You are loved. And that's one of those things for someone, for me, who'd always wanted to be loved properly. Mm -hmm. Having that said, in that moment, um, brings you back to yourself. So you are loved. It doesn't matter what we have to do. It doesn't matter if we have to bring you over here and you have treatment here, or I will quit my job and I'll come to the UK. It doesn't That's matter. the determined Aquarian spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
it's that it's that it doesn't matter we will do whatever we need to do for whatever time we've got whether it's a, a lifetime whether it's just a few months yeah and at that point where you know i still didn't have any answers the you know i was still having to wait for um, to see the specialist for in haematology, which obviously deals with the uh, lymphoma, as opposed to the oncology, which had dealt with the um, you know the testicular side. Um, you know, I, I was still having to wait. And the other thing that was really difficult for me was that uh, it was 2018 in the summer, and Maggie, your daughter, my stepdaughter, our wonderful, our wonderful girl, was turning 18. And I had a special present that I'd lined up for her. The last, the, the last time I'd been here before the diagnosis, I'd sort of said, "Oh, Mag, um, if you were if you were going to get a private plate for your car, what would you have on it?" And her nickname at high school was Maggot. Maggie. Oh, how lovely! Yeah, she loved it. It was, oh, you know, it yeah. was her thing, and that was what her friends called her, and, and whatever. So I was like. Let's get her a private plate. She was about to go to, um, you know, college. So mm -hmm. I we managed to find her a plate with the college logo on it, with the college um, football team logo on it, and I managed to get this plate with M four G O T, so maggot. Cute. And I wanted to be here in the summer to convalesce, so that I could I could give her that present in person, and then you know. With that diagnosis, you're not going anywhere. We don't know if it's aggressive. We don't know when we, you know, if you're going to have to start treatment, you're going to have to start it straight away. You're not going anywhere. Um, so the the only glimmer of hope was that there was a nurse practitioner who was uh, uh, had been affiliated with the hematology department, who said that the meeting that they were going to have, so that when they redid my results. The meeting that they were going to have she would sit in on and she would advocate for me and she would let the doctors know of my situation because it's not usual um and she would see whether there was any leniency any any way around it which i appreciated um and then on the monday i had a phone call from her and i was with my mother at the time um in, in our local town looking in a health food store to see if we could find some health foods alternatives to me if I was going to have to go through aggressive chemo. And, oh, hello, Mr. Threadgold, was the um, response I had when I answered the phone. I was like, oh, she sounds quite chirpy. That's um, okay. So my heart was going. She said, um, yeah, we've, uh, we've had the meeting, and I'm pleased to say that uh, although we're very rarely wrong, we have been on this occasion. And you haven't got lymphoma, and is, is actually testicular cancer and not only is it that but it's the mildest form well thanks a lot yeah. <laughs> and yet yay so you know i went from baby i haven't got that long to live to oh it's the mildest form it's curable it's it's, it's just because like, they have two types there are two main types of testicular cancer and there's a seminoma and a non-seminoma the seminoma is a single type of cancer and it's very uh, it responds very well to a particular type of chemo so it doesn't like it at all and it just disappears so if there's very rarely gets into the body but if it gets into the body then it does respond well to this chemo um the other type is a non-seminoma which is a little bit more aggressive because it can be two different types of cancer um and they have to have a little bit more of an aggressive approach you have to have like nodes in six or seven different ports and you have to have a few rounds of chemo to make sure it's all gone. So, you know, I mean, I'd have taken any at that point, but, you know, to be told that it was the mildest form and it was the seminoma, um, I'm still getting told I had cancer, but I'm getting told that I've had my life back and that I can go to the, uh, go from the UK to the US. I can travel, it will allow it because I don't have to have treatment straight away. Yeah, there's a gift in being told the worst case no news. Maybe that it's like, and so that then when they're like, well, you just, no, you just have this kind of cancer, then suddenly it's like, oh, is that all? And so in a way, it's like a strange relief. And maybe it helps you cope with the fact that you have testicular cancer, but it isn't lymphoma. So I can see why that that's terrible. And, and I've heard of that happening before, like this horrible misdiagnosis. But then the gift is, 
oh, surprise, it's not as bad as you thought. So now you just have trauma. Don't worry about it. Um, but, but emotional trauma, but at least now you've got something to look like to feel good yeah. about. Now, it was the, yeah. yeah, it was the choosing love, which was the it, key for me. It, it, absolutely. Over here. Very, very fearful place for, for that short period. And that phone call with her changed everything because yeah. I went from, God, what do I do to, it doesn't matter, I'm loved. Yeah. And yeah. that that's one of those that, um, it's one of those very few times where I'd really accepted that I am loved and cherished. I, I've always tried to love, but I haven't always been able to receive it. And I haven't always been able to know what to do with it. It's a guy who doesn't really know how to deal with his own emotions and, um, you know, having to learn how to, you know, have emotions and know how to um, use them effectively and positively and, and allow them as a release. Mm -hmm. And then allowing the feeling of being loved is is huge. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that I've, since that point, I've always advocated to other people. And again, that's why I'm, I do what I do, because, um, you know, if I can, if I can impart that with, with people. One of the things that about that diagnosis that, and then, and then the, the re-diagnosis, um, great, you know, downgraded was that we so intensely in the, uh, from the outset, we're like, love is going to heal this. Love is going to heal you. That period. Like that's it. That's what we're focusing on. We're not focusing on disease. We're focusing on love. And I mean, I believe that those cells were healed on that slide. I think that, <laughs> that they were transformed yeah. on that slide. I, I believe that. Again, then, then it was the, the um, more um, preferred diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, and I, your story really just, I've been thinking about this a lot with the people that we pair up with, whether we have kids with them or not. So obviously, from a biological standpoint, we're meant to mate and find a partner so that we can procreate. But from a spiritual standpoint, I've been talking about this a lot, that the person or the people that you end up together with in partnership, in romantic partnership, I really feel like even if they aren't the right person for you, there's always this reason why you come together and it's to teach, it's to be mirrors for each other. And so even the ones that didn't work out are like, wow, that was such a lesson though. It's, it's, um, it's always hard to disconnect emotionally and, and disconnect from the attachment, but there's also, I really do have this strong belief in that, that the people that come into our lives as our romantic partners are meant to teach us and I think it's such a symbiotic thing. Do you have, what's your thought on why the two of you chose this life together? Was that it? Then you, you might've just said it. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's also the fact that, um, you know, we've had this for so many times over the years where we've been in different places together, whether we're just sat in a restaurant together or in a cafe together, or whether we've been at an Irons conference or something like that, we'll always, always, always have someone come over and say, you two are just the most beautiful couple. Mm -hmm. All we've done is we've just sat there and we've just enjoyed each other's company, but there's something in what they saw, which inspired them. And we just have that all the time everywhere, don't we? Yeah. And, um, it's, it's lovely. And, you know, when we don't, we don't tire of it. We're not we're, we're not there for other people's adoration. But if we can inspire people, even if yeah. we don't know that we're doing it, just by being who we are to each other. Well, that's what yeah. love, love love radiates, you know. And and it's we are we are not just these physical bodies, you know. And we are so much. We expand outward from our bodies energetically. And whether we can see it with our eyes or not, it's being perceived by other people. So, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. It's like you are, we are these energetic beings walking around under the, the cloud or the, the veil of just being 3D when that's only just one small part of what we are here in the body, in this, in this physical realm. We're, we are energy. And so when Ains and I are together, it's like the vibe is there and other people are perceiving it 
whether they can see, actually see the glow, which some people have told us they can, but, or they're, they're perceiving, they're perceiving the energy and the, how, how powerful it is and how good it feels, you know? And it's like, that's what, that's what, what a loving, being in a loving relationship can, can be like, can feel like, it's like, we can all experience that. It just takes, it takes somewhat, it takes desire to, to, um, to love more than, than not. I feel like, I mean, it's, it, it can be so simple. Yeah. yeah. And I, you just answered my next question, but I'm just going to ask it anyway, in case anything else comes to mind, what would be your relationship advice for, for people coming together in a romantic partnership? Have them, um, have them, or, or remind them that they are mirrors to each other. Like we said, you know, we said this a couple of times. Remind them they're mirrors to each other. Remind them that they have their their own path, that that you know their their own growth to have, and to not stop that growth just because there was someone else. Because, like I said before, with the Vedic what tends to happen is that you have two people who are um, not fully whole and what they do is they look for the wholeness in someone else so it works quite well for a little while because you have the two halves that come together and i get i get what i need from this person and they get what they need from me but then you get into the part of the relationship where it's like well it's it's quite a lot of energy to give you what you need because i need that myself and then it's the same thing and then what you tend to find is that they don't find uh that the, they battle then because well, I, I still need what you have and you know but I can't give you what you need from me because I need what I have I need from you so if you're on a, a path of um, self growth and self fulfillment in the sense that you're looking to become more whole what is it that I'm missing within myself then you become more and more of the Vesca Pisces and then I don't, I'm not looking for the things in the other person because I find it in myself. What I see in the other person is me. Um, you know, we don't, we don't battle each other for, I don't need anything. From, I don't need her energies to make me feel better. Um, she just reflects me to me. And she doesn't need any of my energies. I just reflect her to her. And um, occasionally we are um, rocks for each other, but it's a constant. So if she's struggling with something, I am just there. I am just me. I don't love her any differently. There's no condition there. Um, I don't need her to be anything other than who she is in that moment. And that's it. I, sometimes I don't even need to say anything. I just need to be there while she's going through it. Same thing when I'm upset. Um, she's just a constant for me. And she doesn't require me to be happy all the time. She doesn't require me to... Um, not be upset and know it's not convenient. Um, she just is there. And, you know, people, people can do that more and, you know, communicate a little bit more. And like I said earlier on, if something comes up and it's like, you know, doesn't feel good, this person said something and it just feels like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like how that feels. It's like, well, you know, they're giving you the greatest gift. They're, they're presenting something to you which maybe needs to be healed. You know, that's, that's, like, that's like a little kid who's cut themselves and, you know, the parent wants to help and the child does this, but, but it hurts. But it's going to hurt until you, until you let me see. I just need to see. And then you see, and then obviously there's, there's the healing there. So, you know, as people trying to navigate the relationship, maybe be less like, oh, but, but it hurts. It'd be a little bit more like, okay, well, I'll, I'll open up and I'll share and trust. Mm -hmm. My grandfather um, gave a message through a psychic medium and he, his message was to me to trust. And this was early on in our relationship. And I'm like, uh, I, I do trust. But what I realized was that, no, I was still holding back. Yeah. And that, that's, that's like, you know, when we heal the parts in ourselves that need healing, then we have, we are more of, of who we really are, which is love. And then we are able to be more fully in a relationship. So. I guess my advice would be, you know, if you're, if you're already in a relationship and you're hitting some difficult points, then it's probably a good idea to, um, sort of turn inward and, and 
explore what it is that is going on within you and maybe something will come up that you have the opportunity then to um, focus on and heal in some way maybe maybe with your partner's help maybe just yourself or in some other way with with friends or other supports but you know not pointing the finger and saying i hurt because of you something you did oftentimes it's that's a deflection of the pain that's coming up or you know um issue that's coming up within us so it's always like my my suggestion would be to to first um kind of self-reflect and and just take some time before um um you know pointing fingers because we're it's so it's a, it's like the easiest lowest vibration um lowest like just the easiest less resistance like oh you're you're the problem um but i think if we if, if we do less of that to each other then um all of us would benefit and then be a little bit easier you know you touched on it earlier on with uh people when you have a relationship and it doesn't work out um you know they've brought something to the table they've brought you to some place and maybe it is that um it's a reminder that uh you know maybe you're always attracted to the same type of person it always ends up the same way well maybe try something different maybe this is just the universe's way of saying we're trying to show you something here we can only give you what you're asking for or whatever but until you until you see that this isn't working for you, then you know you you're always going to come to the same place. Then when you do see that, you do see that that person, you know, is a is a a gift to help you to wake up. And then when you do wake up, and then when you do perhaps say, well, maybe I don't need to be in a relationship with anyone else at the moment. Maybe I need to be in a better relationship with myself. When you can do that, then maybe the next person that comes along isn't part of that whole cycle. Because it's all cyclical, isn't it? You know, we can keep going. Yep. Happens, and we're always trying to find. We're always going back to the same job, and we're always finding the same issues. Even if it's different people, it's the different people, same problems. Or we can go. Maybe it's me that needs to change. Yep. I need to have a little bit of a um, a word with myself and um, go inward, like you said, um, and start to grow a little bit, and then your vibration raises. You start attracting new things into your life. Things do feel better, which means that you blossom more and you do attract better things in your life. And then maybe you do attract someone that um, you then finally feel as though you deserve. Yep. Thank you so much, both of you. I loved hearing your story and I really appreciate you sharing. Again, if you want to check out Ainsley Thread Gold's NDE story, it's you can look it up on Magic is Real and Krista Gorman. Thank you so much for joining us and both of you for sharing. I love this uh, this uh, angle of the uh, how we express love through relationship uh, mm -hmm. and through uh, romantic relationships, intimate relationships, and the whole mirror thing. That's been on my mind so much. So, thank you both, my friends. I just love you, and you inspire me. And I know oh. that you're going to inspire a lot of other people. Uh, even that last message so relevant, so timely for me, and I'm sure for so many other people as well. So thank you so much for being here and letting me share your story by having you share your story with me. Thanks so much for having us. This thank is you. really My pleasure. Wonderful.